0: infectious like a dog Welcome to the Box Tunnel Survivors Group, a place for those affected by the issues raised in the TV show Being Human. <laughs> Red Robin, this is Michael. Welcome to the Flower Moon edition of the podcast. Over. And we are now nearing the end of series two. Before I continue with the chat I had with Matt, that rhymes and everything, I'm going to mix things up a little. I'm going to do the admin first. I'm a renegade, what can I say? I don't follow the rules. If you would like to be an honorary old one like Matt, and come on the show and discuss an episode of Being Human, then you can contact me at boxtunnelpod at gmail.com. We're pretty much booked up for the rest of Series 2 and about half of Series 3. If you would like to become a recruit, you can subscribe or like on your podcast app of choice. Feel free to rate or review if you've got that option, unless the review is going to be really bad, and then you might make me cry. You can find the podcast on Twitter at Box Tunnel Pod and on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr at the Box Tunnel Survivors Group. On with the show. In the Morning is Series 2, Episode 6. It was first broadcast on the 14th of February, 2010. It's written by Lisa McGee and directed by Charles Martin. As well as the Series 2 regulars, we have Simon Paisley Day playing Alan Cortez. Amy Fjorn Edwards as Robin, and Chiquetta May as Carmen. Here's my chat with Matt. And none of us sat on a mat with a cat. And returning to the podcast, our resident, well, I'd say resident Doctor Who expert of the group, (laughs) Matt Dennis. Hello.
1: Thanks, Michael. Thanks for letting me join again.
0: Uh, Yeah. Well, since we were just saying, like, last time we did a record was about a year ago, which is quite crazy. Yeah. But in the world of Doctor Who, so much has happened. Even though there's not really been many shows of Doctor Who, so much has happened in the past. I yet. know it's crazy. Are you looking forward to? I'm going to try and say this correctly. RTD two.
1: I am. I really am. And that's not a slight on anything that's gone before. I know. Like fandom is just is quite sort of divided right now. Um, but I'm definitely yeah, but more so than ever. More so than ever. Yeah. Um, but uh, I'm very much if you ask me what my favorite era was it it was the R- the rtd1 era um yeah. and um i you know i know it's not going to be like that at all it's going to be completely fresh and new um but i also with the nostalgic elements of the 60th anniversary but i'm just excited i'm always excited when it's a new era about to kick off it was the same when it was Chris Chibnall and Jodie Whittaker. It was the same when it was Stephen Moffat and Matt Smith. I'm always really excited to see where it's going to completely change, um, and be a completely new show. It was slightly different with Peter Capaldi coming aboard because that was just a change of actor, but same showrunner, same production team. While this time it's like, you know, it's a new thing, but also weirdly the same because it's Russell T Davies and Julie Gardner and all that lot, um. But no, I'm excited. So far, I'm excited. Yes, um, not there's been a few little snip the snippets that we've seen online and stuff have got me really excited. The other day, as we record this, this is totally going to date this now. But like Murray Gold was announced <laughs> as coming back to do the yeah, music, yeah. and I'm a huge fan of Murray Gold. And again, not a slight on um, Segan Akinola who did the music for the last sort of five years, but I'm just Murray Gold's the music I, is my favourite soundtrack music to listen to. So I'm excited to um had a bit more to that. So yes, a lot of stuff going on in Doctor Who World, um, which I'm very excited about, yes. But um
0: And it does seem that Russell's coming back not just to sit on rest on his laurels, really, doesn't it? Because of the whole deal with Disney Plus and it seems like the budget's gonna be a bit bigger. Yeah. And they seem like it's gonna be slightly more ambitious. It does,
1: and I feel like it's it's the thing I say to people, i I have some friends in the fandom who aren't as excited about him returning. That's totally understandable. But I say to them like don't judge it by what he did you know, nearly two decades ago, um, judge it by the fact that every writer is always, you know, improving and learning and doing new stuff. And he's, you look at his hit rate since leaving Doctor Who and Torchwood and stuff like that behind. And it's just an amazing, like some of the best TV shows of the last like 10 years have come from Russell T Davies. You know, It's a Sin is a perfect example. I loved Cucumber when that came on. I know that yeah, was that kind was of Cucumber. a bit more... Yeah. Some people weren't as into that, but I thought that was fantastic. Yeah. And, like, there's one episode of that that I genuinely think is one of the best episodes of television I've ever seen. But even stuff yeah. like... And Years and Years was great, if a little depressing to watch. Um, mm-hmm. But even stuff like... The smaller stuff like His Midsummer Night's Dream um, production and... Um, uh, a uh, very English scandal. All of it's just been fantastic. I just think he's definitely like grown as a writer, and also the landscape of television has changed. And he, if there's one person that knows television, it's Russell. And I feel like yeah. he's looking at the trends that are going on in television. You know, he's he makes no bones about the fact that he does watch like the Disney Plus and stuff like you know Star Wars shows and has seen what they've done. And he kind of like goes, "Why can't we do that with Doctor Who?" So again, I feel like he's not coming back just to Tread old ground. He's coming back because they've got big, exciting plans. I hope.
0: Yeah, he lives for it and he's such a geek of it. And then that that comes out in even if you think about when Shooty was announced and when David Tennant was announced as being returning, he's still offering little glimpses and teases and like keeping the fan base going. And that's the, what the Chibnall era didn't really have. Yeah. It, it was like a barren land, wasn't exactly,
1: it? Exactly. Yeah. And I totally get what they were trying to do with the Chibnall era. They were you know it was like you know what let's try and put a handle of things because i do think you know i'd much rather watch the show unspoiled but i do think there's a fine line between not spoiling stuff and actually promoting it and i think one thing they just kind of forgot and i don't i don't think it, it so much was chibnall as opposed to you know bbc brass behind the scenes but it felt very much like no you need to like keep got, if you're going to be off for a year you need to keep us invested you need because there's a lot we're not all not everyone who watches these shows is a hardcore geek like us who's on twitter every day and is looking at what's going on and what's happening um and is you know looking for any tiny little detail so a lot of them are just going to go oh the doctor hasn't been on for a while oh well let's see what else is on and you'll you lose your audience that way so i again like even as we record this yesterday there was like a seven second little teaser thing on bbc one um, which everyone's now going nuts about. I think we're going to have next weekend a full trailer or something going on and like perfectly timed with the bank holiday. So yeah, again, I think, yeah, it's it's definitely like looking at what's happened in, rec- in the recent years and going, let's just try something different, try to change tact a little bit. And I'm all for that. And do you believe that David Tennant
0: is the next Doctor or do uh, are they bluffing? Do you think he's an
1: incarnation of Number 10. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm like, I, when it comes to Doctor numbering, I'm really like, mm, I don't know. Um, I was uh, one of those really sad nerds. I was like, oh, shoot, he's going to be Doctor number 14 during the 14th season of um, the new series of Doctor Who. Like This has been, this has only ever happened with the first Doctor and I think the 13th Doctor, where the, number, the Doctor's number has tallied with the series that they're doing. I don't know. Very sad. Um, I'm... Really not. I'm I'm wondering about what the story is going to be. There is a part of me that's very protective because my favourite series of all time of Doctor Who is Series Four, which is David Tennant and um, Catherine Tate, and so and I think Donna has a perfect end in, and I like the way that the End of Time um, episodes didn't undo that. Um, to an, like, they, there was a little bit here and you know a little revisit, but it it kind of left Donna's story as it was, which I think is important because it's such a wonderful tragic I think it's one of the best endings to a companion ever so uh, I but yeah going back to it I, I'm i sort of like yeah is it a bluff because I'm wondering we're bringing Donna back and doing all this stuff I'm wondering if it's there's obviously the rumour about who Neil Patrick Harris might be playing um, and I'm like oh I'm, I'm, I'm all for that and I'm thinking actually yeah that could be a way to kind of mess with fans and actually say yeah he is the 14th right now but then by the time that the show airs it might be yeah haha we got you like we kept you going for yeah. a bit, and that's part of the drama of it, isn't it? It's you know it's one of the things all you know really good t v does well. you think you're gonna get one thing and actually it's gonna go in a completely different direction so but i I think I'm kind of if it it does end and David regenerates into shooty and it turns out, yeah, shooty is the fifteenth doctor and David is the fourteenth doctor i'm I'm fine with it. it'd be fine, I think it'd be weird it's gonna be like it's weird to sort of have like the second shortest tenure of a doctor will be David, T- David Tennant will have that. Cause I think it's pretty much Paul McGann and then it'll be David Tennant um, having like the shortest eras. Um, but then David Tennant later on, you, you know, you look up and you go, oh, actually he did do another four years. So does he have the longest, I don't know. Doctor Who fans love numbers <laughs> and love lists and doing all this sort of stuff. So um, it'll be interesting to see uh, how it all pans out. But honestly, just like, just talking about it now, like, Uh, You're hopefully hearing my voice. I'm just excited. I'm just excited. I was the most (laughs) excited I've been for the show in a very long time. So, yeah, yes,
0: that's it. I I was always thinking when in Jodie's last episode, I can't quite remember how it happened. Like, the master changed into the doctor, Mm. and then there was like some glitch or something. Then, so I'm wondering, I was wondering during that show whether that's going to that's. Well, that's it. When it, what, Whatever the transformation at the end, we didn't officially know it was going to be David Tennant, and but whatever the transformation at the end, it's, that's a glitch Yeah, because of that. And
1: I also wonder that with the whole... The fact that the clothes changed um, with the mm. regeneration, which is not unheard of in Doctor Who. It happened with the first Doctor into the second Doctor that we know of. Um, you can sort of tell from the telesnaps from Power of the Daleks Part One that William Hartnell regenerates and so do his clothes. And Patrick Troughton just stood there in his new costume. Mm. Which I think, but yeah, I think your point about like the master as well, like it'd be interesting. I know that that Russell T Davis will look at what went before and kind of go, okay, maybe I could take a little bit of that and use a bit of that. Um, But um, yeah, this is like I said, it's just exciting because I have no clue what's going on. Um, But there's also at the same time, I know something is going on because I'm seeing nice little trailers and little teasers, and they're bringing back well say bringing back they're introducing like characters from the comics in the 70s into the show like they're having like the star beast and stuff um i won't say no more because obviously don't want to spoil anything for um anyone listening who watches doctor who but doesn't isn't a massive nerd like me and reads 1979 doctor who monthly comic books uh but um there's stuff like they're clearly hinting at bringing some stuff in from the comic era of um Doctor Who in the 70s and that's really exciting as well to kind of see that in live action in like fully fleshed form on the screen. Um so yeah, I just yeah I'm really excited. But yeah, I think you're you're onto something now. I think, you know, there could potentially be a plot reason related to Jodie's last episode.
0: Alright, well in terms of regeneration, let's go to another regeneration of some kind. See I'm a pro at this.
1: Yeah, very good. Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> if you were to die today what do you think your unfinished business would be?
1: Got a lot. I had a. Oh, that's a good question. Read all the Doctor Who comics. But, oh, maybe not read all the. Do you know? What? Maybe I'll just come. Can I come back as a ghost and haunt the people that might have missing Doctor Who episodes stashed away? I might do that. That might. <laughs> maybe that's. But then I wouldn't get to watch them, would I? Uh, I suppose I would. I'd have to make sure I'm in the right place at the right time when they eventually screen them. Um... I don't know. It could be a ghost
0: detective trying to track down the lost episode. Yeah,
1: that could be yeah, that could be I mean they might not exist. There's just, you know, there's always these silly rumours online that oh someone might have of Free Episode Free stashed away somewhere and they're keeping it for themselves, uh, or holding it hostage. Um or I don't know, or I could just go with something really bland, couldn't I like oh I wouldn't mind seeing the end of succession. You know <laughs> I'm you know, it would be a bit rubbish if I died tomorrow and I don't get to watch the last like four episodes of that. Meeting David Tennant would be kind of uh, would be as well. If I'm going back on the Doctor Who nerd stuff, I've had three miss like near misses with him. Um, with like, I've been in the same room with, as him a couple of times, but I've just not had the opportunity to actually go up and you know meet him. It's always been like at a panel event or something like that, but you can't actually go and chat to him or stuff. But then I wouldn't want to freak him out by coming back as a ghost. So <laughs> um, yeah, I think I'll go and I'll be a ghost detective haunting. Um, like finding missing television episodes, and I feel like then I'll be allowed my door will open.
0: Well, I haven't met David Tennant directly, but I have, and I'm going to turn, use the term loosely, starred in a scene with David Tennant. Wow. Um, in, oh God, series two of Broadchurch, around all the court
1: scenes. Oh, yeah.
0: Me, me and a friend are just like in the background. <laughs>
1: and are you as nonplussed sat, as the audience?
0: Sat, sat <laughs> Sat down in the background, and because it's slightly blurred out, because they're focusing on obviously David Tennant, Jodie Whittaker, yeah. and someone else was in the scene. I pause it, and go, "That's me," and no one would believe
1: it. You have given <laughs> me a reason to go back and watch Broadchurch series two.
0: There's arg- there's an argument to say there's no other reason. <laughs> yeah,
1: pretty, m- yes, pretty much. Yes, pretty much. I'd like to think that all of you in the court scenes kind of going, "That wouldn't happen." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just like the critics were when it aired. Um... <laughs> But uh, oh, that's all okay. That's kind of awesome. Yeah, oh, I'm
0: definitely going. But they were so secretive. Honestly, they 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 had signs up everywhere. Like, don't take any photos. Don't do this. Don't do that. And they, when you saw them filming inside, they were like on you. If you even like got your camera out, or like they caught someone taking a picture, and they kicked them out. Wow, it was the secrecy was insane. I imagine
1: then being a Chris Chibnall production, that's probably what it was like on Doctor Who as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, it must have been. Yeah. All right, we'll crack on with in the morning, which is series two, episode six. I view this before I watched it again as a bit like educating creature. It is an episode where the story moves along, but again, I wouldn't say
1: this is ones that fans go to as a as a high point. Of maybe. course, I really strike it. What really um, struck me re-watching it because it's been a very long time since I rewatched. Um any from this series was how it mitchell's very for, considering the fact that it leads up to a huge thing happening with mitchell's storyline mitchell's actually barely in it and his story barely like comes into it it's very much mm. annie's um story for the most part there's a bit of george as well which I'm, we're going to discuss but um but then to be fair the thing i remember most from it this episode um was the annie storyline um, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to fight for it a little bit in places. I think it is a a really, as we'll discuss, I'm, I really, I chose to do this one. I was really keen to do this episode. Hmm. Um, I think it's, whilst it's yes, a little bit slower because we're, it's before the two part finale. I think there's some lovely stuff in here that just is like pure being human to put it one way or another.
0: Yeah. All right. So we start in London, 1972. So we have another flashback and we see a reverend giving a sermon, Intercut with a child and mum at home. Their doorbell goes and the mum goes to answer it. We learn post-lecture, I mean, sorry, sermon, that it's a younger version of Kemp. Uh, handsome little devil, isn't he? Yeah. He?
1: <laughs> but what, what could possibly have made him age so badly? Could, could it be some horrible <laughs> trauma that's just about to happen to him? I imagine he goes grey and loses all his hair immediately the next day. I oh. absolutely was... I remember watching this the first time and blew me away this scene. I was just like, I love the fact that we were getting into it a bit more because up till this point, there'd been little hints here and there, but not much. But Kemp had just kind of been this shady guy in the background, sort of plotting. And I like the fact that, oh, no, it's time to to actually get under his skin. And the fact that, you know, Lisa McGee does it so well, she does it in just not even three minutes or so of the pre-titles and does it in a really effective way. It's so like beautifully shot this bit. Mm. I think it's is it Charles Martin directing? Yeah. He does really good what I like is it keeps like the camera firmly fixed on Kemp's daughter has this you know his the mother is lifted up by the vampires and stuff and there's that like the mute just everything about it, the way it's shot the music's just really like send, really sends a shiver down my spine. Really like haunting and yeah, I it really did at the time. It really made me kind of sympathetic to Kemp to an extent. Obviously, knowing where stuff goes later on, it's like ah, it's a bit yeah, okay, fair enough. But it doesn't actually make him that sympathetic. But I remember watching at the time and being like, okay, I kind of get this guy now a little bit.
0: Yeah, it's nice to get that backstory because as we perceive it so far, he's just a horrible person. Yeah, and we yeah we at least we've got an understanding of where he's coming mm-hmm. from. Okay, so at the house, the girl hears her mum scream and her mum is dragged through the door by three men and the blood that Kemp has been banging on about is soon spilt on their carpet. Uh, Kemp comes home and weighs a book at them, which they then flee away from. Maria, I think his wife's called, and the child are on the floor dead and he says, and whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood will live forever. Is that in the Bible?
1: I don't know. I'm no Bible expert. But... I'm not. I don't have one to hand. <laughs> if if someone wants to write in and tell us, <laughs> um, I'd be I'd be keen to know. Um, or yeah, drop us a if someone wants to tweet the uh, tweet us about it. Because I'm
0: I'm glad you clarified a tweet and not and not. A
1: letter. Yeah, don't write a letter. No, no. It won't <laughs> arrive in time. Definitely not. Um, no, I don't know if it's from the Bible. I'm presuming it is. I'm presuming it is. Yeah. I'm, I'm taking a, I'm taking a stab in the dark here and saying it probably... It just seems quite... Dark. I mean,
0: I know a lot of the Bible's dark, but... And whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood will live
1: forever. Is it a is it a Jesus quote about, you know, about the yeah, blood? Because they have the blood of Christ thing, don't they? When at communion and stuff. So, may, yeah, maybe it's a definitely may, well, most likely taken a complete out of context. I can't, although if there are vampires in the Bible, I might have to go and read it. That sounds sick. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, so we see a shot in the modern day of Kemp looking, at, looking all Kempian and smooching with his Bible. Uh, next up, post credits, or title rather, we have some post stake up sex. Now this is a hilarious joke if you're a fan of the indie band The Vaccines. <laughs>
1: I'll I, I, I will I will just tell me when to laugh. <laughs> I'll have to find this. What well, I'll do is so I'll just edit a laugh thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It, let's just have one now. Let's have like a studio laugh sound effect now. <laughs> Brilliant.
0: Uh Mitchell wakes up but Lucy has to go and she looks conflicted. I know how difficult and confusing this must be," he says. And really, Mitchell doesn't know the half <laughs> But what follows next is one of my favourite needle drops: is when uh, Lucy is walking down the church aisle to "Sleep Alone" by Bat for Lashes. It's, there's something wonderful about the symmetry of her stomping along
1: when it's with the drum beat, and it's a beautiful song as well. Love, yeah, really nicely edited. I really like this bit as well. Like, and there's I'm I'm jumping ahead a little bit here, but obviously we've got. Mitchell going home and taking his the bloody shirt off. And then likewise she's also sort of go she goes to the church um immediately and it's almost like they're both in their own weird kind of way, like sort of cleansing their sins a bit. Like Mm. I thought that was like a really nice touch and again really nicely like cutting between the two as they do it. It's like two completely different things, but I totally get where they're both kind of at in this moment, just through the visual.
0: Yeah, she says, Forgive me, almighty God, as she prays and Cleanse me of, she's literally saying, cleanse me of my singe. Yeah, and you, just the point you just made, like Mitchell is cleansing himself maybe, yeah. by changing his shirt. Lucy is hoping for from help from the Lord above. Mitchell walks downstairs and hears Annie and George having an argument. He sighs and enters the living room. <laughs> she screams, did you just call me a poltergeist? <laughs> Mitchell, listen to this. Go on, tell him. This is classic. And it turns out George is viewing a house today with Sam. An exasperated Annie says, what do you make of that? And a dispassionate response from Mitchell, he has a few houses, he's moving out. And she goes, take his side, you two are just so gay for each
1: other. (laughs) I did like, I love this. um, This is one of those sort of, this is very rare, this series, to have just the three of them on the sofa. I I mean, re-watching it, maybe I'm wrong, but yeah, there hasn't been a lot of this, this so far, this series. Um, I totally live for it. The dialogue in this scene is absolutely great um, and I just, I think those are the, some of the best moments in the whole show is when, whether it's um, the original cast or it's um, how and um, and the crew, like those sort of moments I like where it's just kind of the domestic sort of um, setting them just having a chat on the sofa and then you've got all this big kind of like cosmic, uh, you know, arc plot stuff going in the background Um I was a really nice sofa scene. I was also very. I've just got written here. Mitchell planned to move out too. Sad face.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's saying about like George going too fast for Sam, and then he's like, uh,
1: well, I might move out with Lucy soon. Yeah, yep. I, I mean, I kind of get it. Yeah, he's. I think it's it's that thing of like we and as we like, he's very desperate for a way out, um, of being being the king, so to speak, and so I can kind of buy it that he is like first opportunity comes along even though they haven't actually really had a relation they're not really in a relationship or anything like that but he sees a chance so i totally buy it in this moment but at the same time yeah a little bit fast and also a bit hypocritical
0: and he says i thought it was a notion i didn't think you would seriously go through with it i thought the moment would just pass you know
1: <laughs> this i've got her in here skinny jeans definitely a moment of madness um
0: yeah and Mitchell looks more offended by this than George moving
1: Yes. And do you know what? I'm with Mitchell on this one. I've tried skinny jeans once in my life, but I didn't buy them. I just want to put that out there. (laughs) I did not buy them. Tried them. was like, no, these aren't for me. Um, So I'm totally with Mitchell on this point. (laughs) Yeah. George asked
0: Mitchell, changing the subject from fashion, where he was last night. I was with, uh, you know, Lucy. And we finally, you know, and... (laughs) And he hates this.
1: Oh, this is like the problem pages of Just 17. You had sex, Mitchell. You had sex. (laughs) Again, lovely. Again, it's just that these moments, like when it's just the three of them and there's nothing really going on. It's just talking about everyday kind of normal stuff. And just the one, like the dialogue here is just great. I love it. It's just, you know so much so witty in this moment i love that moment as well um yeah the ma- the male bonding over this makes annie just
0: snap why don't you just snog each other yeah, just snog each other they
1: are kind of like being like it's almost like they regress to like lads in the school playground at this point as well it's very much like you know they're just being like silly teenagers like oh, totally had sex <laughs> you know like but can't <laughs> quite say it because for fear of you know, being laughed at and stuff, but it's yeah, they totally regress. I kind of love how they're both playing it in this moment. And George
0: insists he'll still visit and she says it won't be the same though, will it? And she went to ghosts away. And Mitchell says, I'm not surprised she's upset. This place, our home, you know, without us, it's just a haunted house again. And that's that's when Mitchell confesses that he might move away in
1: time. Do you think George would visit? I feel like he wouldn't. <laughs> I feel like they would forget. Uh... At this point where they are in the series, they're all kind of in denial and stuff. I feel like I might be wrong, I think There
0: is a, I think there is a moment in C- episode seven or eight where Annie says, oh, he's always around anyway, even though he's moved out. So I think he did. Yes. But I think that may be because he wasn't happy in the new place. Yes. Uh, Annie is skulking the streets. And usually when Annie skulks the streets, bad things happen, but she chances on a on a display in the window of a psychic experience.
1: Can I just throw um, in the, quickly as well? Yeah. Um, the final I love as well um, the way that the scene in the in the flat ends with kind of just a nice like it lingers on the empty sofa. Uh, yes, I really love I that. that. I thought that was a really nice touch because it it just stays long enough on that shot that you feel a little bit uncomfortable. Like, is this kind of it? Is this actually? Because at this point we didn't know if there was going to be a third series, right? We thought this might have been no, building exactly, into an yeah. end. You never know. Um British TV, we do have a, uh, we do like to make stuff that only lasts two series intentionally. So mm-hmm. um I thought that was a really nice touch as well.
0: Yeah, I noticed that too, and it is a nice little moment. It didn't linger on too long, did it? It was just like a little, you mm. know, this could be happening. Wink, wink. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, she takes a seat in the auditorium, and the curtains give way to Alan Cortez's psychic experience, and he declares, I, like my ancestors before me, have been blessed with a unique gift, with the ability to contact and communicate with the afterlife." George and Sam are looking at a new build, which looks pretty soulless, and Sam looks excited and loves it. Uh, everything fits their price, there's a garden, and... George is clearly trying to g himself up with faint and faint excitement, but when he's pushed, pushed to it, he says it's a little out of the way, and she says it's only half a mile from town, uh, half an hour from town. Now I live in suburban hell, mm-hmm. half an hour from town. It feels like a lot it, longer than yes. Half
1: an hour <laughs> it's a really nice. I I love how um Russell's sort of playing it um here like it's so you, like you say he's trying to g himself up. It's like it, he's really like overcompensating for this it's like the bit with a dog like we're gonna get a dog let's get a dog and it's like yeah you you really sound like you really want to do that <laughs> it's nicely played like again it's like the little mutterings he makes to himself as well when they kind of agree to it but his heart's not in it I, I i mean i i don't know how the fandom feels in general but i imagine most of us at this point were kind of like who's why why are you doing this go back to nina why are you going what well, don't do this don't do it george and also, don't get a dog you'll eat Yeah, it. that's true. <laughs> that's a. That would be interesting as well. Would the dog kind of smell the whole werewolf thing on him? Yeah. yeah. probably would, actually. There you go. You can have that one for free if they do a. Uh, if anyone from the. If anyone who's going to one day reboot or remake uh, Being Human wants it, you can have that one for free. <laughs>
0: the storyline where either the dog will try and attack George and eat him or hump his leg I mean
1: I think hump his leg would be funnier I'm surprised they didn't do anything with that in the five years of the show let's just ask him for it, it's great
0: (laughs) he agrees to go for it and when he says, there's a really weird moment he says yes he's ever ready he does this weird like uh, gnashing of his teeth Mm. now is he thinking of is it ever ready bunny or is that Duracell
1: Uh, Again, showing my age here. I can't really remember. Um, Ever ready? Yeah, I want to say maybe. I
0: don't know whether he's thinking... I don't know whether he's thinking of the half-foot of a bunny. I don't know. I think it's Duracell. The Duracell bunny. I think he's got them confused. Ah. Faces away from them when pulls this shocked face. And then he goes back to them excitedly. It's just... Yeah, like you say, he's just...
1: Can't convince himself. No, no. Again, like it's just you can just tell his heart's not in it. And again, it's it's a it's a hard thing to play. So I think they they, like yeah. Russell toby does a really good job here. Again, it's not it's done in a way that's obvious to us, but it's not obvious. It's subtle enough that it's not obvious to Sam.
0: Uh, At the facility, Lucy is before Kemp, looking like a child that's been given detention. I'm sorry, I thought I could do it, but I can't. I can't kill another person. And Kemp says, he's not a person, Professor. They're not people. He says, it's understandable you were confused. The devil was designed for temptation. He can be charming and clever and exciting. And Mitchell can be those things to you because he was made in the devil's image, just as you were made in God's. But you must remain strong. He says, you must fight it, declare war on it. If we're weak, then we'll allow the devil to seduce us god is disappointed and we will be punished severely he's got he's got issues i think what could have helped kent is just a bit
1: of therapy just a little bit yeah <laughs> yeah but then i don't know maybe i would also you know if i'd gone through what he did not defending him at all because we know he goes on to do some really creepy nasty stuff even in this scene he has a little moment of being a little bit creepy um, which is something I'd not noticed before, actually, uh, when he hugs um, Lucy yeah. at the end of the scene. He's enjoying it just a little too much. Um, I
0: mean, you, you say that, it looks like he's coming in his It back. does a little bit, yeah.
1: <laughs> um, but again, that sets up that really creepy bit in episode eight, which I'm sure you're totally going to have lots to say about on that episode, um, and too right you should. Um, but uh, I, oh, during this scene as well, again, it's not the... And again, maybe I'm saying it with like the hindsight of knowing where the show goes and what happens next, but I'm not feeling sympathy for what he's doing. I'm not justifying what he does and stuff. But again, you watch it at this moment, and you're like, I kind of get it. I do kind of get it. Like, I still think you're totally going about this like the wrong way, and you're going overboard. But I kind of get. It. Yeah, I totally see why you think you're doing the right thing here um and this has become your crusade and yes you've become a little obsessed and a little bit nuts as a result it, yeah it's just that it's just what good writing does a little a little reveal here and there about like someone's past max so you can just kind of change the way you look at them even just for a little bit yeah light and shade exactly yeah
0: yeah he says i will show you the way i shall show you what you must do it just speaks bible in just everyday conversation doesn't it yeah yeah so back at the psychic convention a distracted Alan Cortez is struggling, and Annie is frustrated at what she sees as a fraud. And I like the little mix up with, the, with this old lady of the tiny and tinny. It's yeah. a really, really lovely
1: executed scene. Why is Tiny not happy? <laughs> I've got written down. He is. I, you mean she? I've got written down here hashtag make Tiny happy. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I was laughing out loud this whole way. It's just brilliantly done. um It's like just for a little old lady and just totally not like getting it. Like just you know, I always just makes the scene ten times funnier you know, having a little old lady just being utterly confused. <laughs> yeah. But um,
0: and when he just get, he's literally given up and he goes, "Oh wait, it's fading, 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 it's gone." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just so like oh, kind, a kind of beast. like real psychics.
1: <laughs> yeah. Not to not to open that can of worms, but that's probably you know I, I it's it's nice as well. I like the whole that like, it is very much like the the classic playbook, and I love that bit earlier where it, when Annie says like well don't help him because um, so, yeah and it's like that's so true. That's kind of how they you know these sort of fake mediums kind of do it. Um, it's a nice little yeah like I, I enjoy her frustrations in that scene as well. Like I love her just getting more angry about it, especially at this point where she's like I want to be heard. I want to be seen.
0: Yeah, and he says, now I'm sensing another spirit somewhere else, and she sticks her hands up and goes, there's been one sat here for 40 minutes, you giant (laughs) (laughs) twice." And to her side, an usher appears, shining a light at her. I'm going to have to ask you to keep it down. Me? Annie says, and here comes a catchphrase. You can see me. The seat Nazi tells Annie to follow her, and she walks through another member of staff, and she realises that she's a ghost. Of course I'm a ghost. What did you think I was? An usher? (laughs) So we learned that this usher, we learned how she popped her cogs, really. Christmas 1998, a faulty panto pyrotechnic. Say that ten times quickly. One minute I'm standing in the wings watching Widow Twanky belt out a chorus of La Vida Loca, (laughs) and the next, bang, flat on my back with with every hair on my body standing to attention. (laughs) What way (laughs) to go. even, Even in like a few seconds of seeing a new character, we get a complete backstory. Yeah. It's just like,
1: why they are there? You get a laugh, and then you kind of go, oh, she is really sad. <laughs> um,
0: but um, and she
1: opens the curtains,
0: and they says, here are the cheap seats, and she opens them to see a mass gaggle of the dead.
1: <laughs> yes, which is one that uh, big round of applause to the costume designer, because that must have been great. Like, I think we'll have a guy in, like, scuba yes. outfit. We'll have a guy wearing BDSM stuff. Uh, and I'm sure he's got a ball gag. Yeah, as well, yeah, with sure. complete with ball gag. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was confused first time I rewatched it because I completely forgotten about it. That they just that it, I thought they all had died in the theater, um, which obviously is not what happens. It's just that they've they've all come from the local area to come and watch. But for some reason, I was watching I'm like they all these people died in the theater and like why why was he dressed <laughs> like that? And like maybe they're just a bunch of actors and it's all gone wrong. I don't know. They were doing a play well, about it, a BDSM yeah. and a. A BDSM guy hanging out with a scuba diver, and then they both died. Who knows? <laughs>
0: <laughs> it also reminds me of like, when the, all the ghosts are together, a group like this. A bit like Ghosts. Yes. C comedy, because, you know, almost like the, when they go down to the basement and there's all the, the stragglers yeah. that are stuck in the basement. It reminds me of those.
1: Uh, yeah, I, but I'd I I, just, I, I'd like to know how much of it, if I can get a hand on my hands on the script i'd love to see how much of like that was in the script and then how much of that was the costume designer just being told i wonder if the costumes i was just told let loose have some give us some weird looking ghosts in like weird (laughs) costumes and mismatching costumes and let's see what that looks like
0: the usher insists that alan cortez was amazing one year he stopped engaging i don't know why alan slopes into his dressing room where annie's standing what's happened to you alan it gives him an almighty shock now this bit, and there's another bit, that was kind of reminds me of Ghosts' bit where the door opens and they're all like shouting. Mm. It's it's a bit weird that bit. I think it doesn't quite fit. Do you know what I mean? Yeah,
1: it's I I totally get what you mean. Yeah, yeah, it's a weird it's a weird bit. And again, like he can't really hear them. So actually, what's the point of them all standing there shouting? But I guess it tells us the audience that um, it, it just further like cements the idea of like there's clearly an issue here. He can't hear them, and the the usher and Annie are half you know can and. Um, it's a quick little gag, really, isn't it? It's it's nice and easy, you know. But, yeah, you don't really need it. It's I, I, I was a bit confused as as well about why um, Alan can hear Annie, but not the others. And I'm guessing it was something to do with the whole, because she didn't pass over, of which I think they confirm I, later on in the episode, if I'm right. Um, I
0: think that
1: kind of... Partly
0: alludes to we we are told that Annie is stronger yes and more vibrant and more vibrant than other ghosts I think isn't it mm. I think that may be part of it yeah so I think you could excuse it in
1: that yeah way. I imagine though if you but just yeah, if you just tuned in watching this episode and not know it like not know, having what you're just randomly like flipping and you know she's a ghost and stuff but you'd still be a bit like wait what's the plot hole here he can hear her and not hear the others yeah. but yeah I think it's um like I say she's definitely like we know she's stronger as a result of like the not passing over it's a nicely done and I, I do think it's nice to play the the i love um simon paisley day who's playing alan um yeah and he's really like again the right sort of amount of like i don't know where, how best to put it, like the kind of like the the jaded showbiz guy and you know and then the down on his luck sort of um guy as well is nicely played and he's got in i mean Lenora critchley has got good chemistry with pretty much anyone she works with because she's bloody good, and so is he. It's really nice. I love all their scenes together. This, for me, is like, going, as we go on, with the, this is the part of the storyline in this episode that I really latched onto and I really like, and it's partly down to these two actors.
0: And that's the thing I think Toby witness, witness has admitted, like, once he he, he soon realised that Lenora is such a good comic actress as well, mm. that he could play on that, and he could get more from that
1: as well. Yeah, definitely.
0: But there's a bit like the bit where they're all chanting through the door. There is someone constantly going, "Alan, Alan, Alan." <laughs> now I don't know this. Uh, my cultural references to guests on this podcast are always skewed, and they're like, they're like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about, Michael. Shut up. But around that time, there was a show on BBC called "Walk on the Wild yep, Side." Yeah, I remember. Was it. Basically, put, it was basically putting voices, human voices, and human interactions yep. as. At wildlife animals. Yeah. So now there was a motor uh, that kept on shouting, "Alan, Alan, Alan,
1: Alan." Alan, Alan. Alan. And then, wait, that's I'm not Alan. Convinced. Wait, that's not Alan. Yeah. Steve. That's it. Steve, Steve,
0: Steve. <laughs> yes. Uh, I yes. am convinced this is a reference to that because that was around the it's same time. Be. I'm convinced of it.
1: I'm, I'm just convinced. It of it. Might, it's it's just that like the timelines just match up enough that it would it yeah. would be right. Um, around this time, I was actually living with a guy called Alan. Um, one of my flatmates at uni, and we were constantly shouting like "Alan, Alan, Alan" at him, even if he was in like the same room. Um, I'm sure he loved oh, it. Oh, absolutely, yes, yes. He 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 moved out <laughs> not long after, but um, <laughs> uh, I I think you're right, or at least the, if not if it's not in the script that the actor knew what they were doing in that moment, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah it's got to be. Yeah, it's too good an opportunity
1: like, not to do it. It's almost like Alan Partridgey, like with Dan. Yeah.
0: It? It's, the, the whole, it's the whole Dan, Dan,
1: <laughs> Dan. So if you're if you're
0: for a few years, if you were called Alan or Dan, you you were having the the hellish experience, really, because that's what people would do to you. And if you were called Dan Allen,
1: you had a horrible, horrible <laughs> time. You, you'd just kill yourself. Yeah. <laughs> R.I.P. Dan Allen.
0: And then at the funeral, it'd be like Dan, Dan, Alan. Oh, no, sorry, Steve. <laughs>
1: Rest, in peace. Rest in peace, Steve. Just, to go, just go up to the coffin, put your hand in it, and look really something and be like, Alan, Alan, Alan. <laughs> like, no, that's it, that's the eulogy. One, <laughs> it's what one, they would have wanted. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right,
0: so back at New Build Hell, George, Sam and Molly have the keys to the new house, which, to be frank, is amazing. References have gone through. Uh, credit checks, all
1: gone through in the same day. You've got to remember, it is a fantasy show. Sure.
0: <laughs> what? No, it's not. It's all real.
1: Yes. Yes. I mean, yes. Totally real. Yes, yes. But this is like, yeah, this is pure science fiction. The fact that they would get the flat <laughs> that back quickly.
0: That's the most unrealistic part of the episode.
1: Yeah. I can buy the vampires and the ghosts, but I can't know. Okay,
0: Sam mentions that parents' evening is on the 27th. George has a dreaded look in his face and makes his excuses. They've had their, They've not even had their first meal in the new house and he's already lying
1: yeah. about his, his alternative life. Nice foreshadowing for the next episode as well uh, with the parents' evening. I always like it when stuff yeah. gets set up an episode before. Um, yeah. What a crap excuse, right? Yeah. <laughs> I just actually was like bashing my head like, and I totally get like, yeah, it's got to sound a little bit funny, but how thick, it just made me think like, how thick is Sam? That <laughs> she kind of buys it, or maybe she doesn't. Maybe she's in denial. I don't know. She's, you know, as we we learn later on from Molly, she's obviously, you know, had some crap relationships yes. and stuff. But and maybe that's yeah. how you kind of justify it. But I wouldn't be putting up with that toboganists. <laughs> <laughs> toboganists. And
0: what would be that first first thing that comes into your head? Nuts. Um. Yeah. It's it's the it's that old thing is like if the more you elaborate on a a lie, the worse you make it. Yeah. When you could have just said, "Oh, I've got something from work on," or that day, and I can't get out of it, or just not a whole new area, a whole sport you know nothing about. Mm. It's yeah, as my mum used to say, lies will always find you. Indeed. Back at the Theatre of the Damned, uh, Alan was recounting the story of how he lost his powers. He fell off the stage, resulting in stitches, short-term memory loss, and no sixth sense. Back then I used to pray they would stop. Now that's finally happened and I'm praying they come back. What I like about this story is, is the fact that like Annie, we are expecting him to be a total fraud, a charlatan yep. and it's going to be about Annie finding him out and but it's not. No. It's actually, it 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 reverse and it's actually quite an uncynical sweet story. Mm.
1: It's, it, yeah, and again you instantly, because you've because you've got a great actor in that role as well like you just instantly warm to him because obviously you watch those early scenes and he's just being a bit of a yeah like he's been the one like typical fake medium being a bit of a prick and you're just kind of like oh you know i don't like this guy and then here just completely like 360 degree turn and something or well, 180 degree turn even excuse me um it's a complete 180 <laughs> degree turn and suddenly i'm on i'm on board with numbers but the dialogue's lovely here. It's like you say, you know, that that line about wishing, you know, wishing they would stop, and now I wish they'd come back. It is really, really kind of heartbreaking in a, you know, in a very like nice, subtle, small way. Um, imagine you had this amazing skill and you don't take it for granted. You know, you kind of take it for granted, and then, and then it's gone, and you're like, oh. Uh,
0: Mitchell and Lucy are back in the pub, even if it's not two for one. scrumpy. he wants her to be his salvation. Which I think is a bit needy and desperate. Yeah. And she says, "You've killed people. It's your world, Mitchell. It's in every cell. You can't just change. You're not strong enough. It finds you. It always finds you." And what I love about that
1: is, it's a line that Hal later uses. Well, I didn't catch it's that. Like, uh, oh, Okay.
0: Yeah. It's been eight. again. Yeah, this shows it how
1: long I've I've not even got to series five yet on the rewatch. So nice. it's It's good. It's um. It's a good setup. This scene for the the big explode like the big bang at the end of the episode. Lindsay Marshall's like really showing the, the conflicted sort of nature in the character. Like I still at this point believe she's struggling, that it's not just that yeah. she's going through the motions that or she's not like actively trying to kill Mitch or, you know, trick Mitch or anything. I do think there's genuine feeling there and I can see it in her face. It's so well done. But yeah, he's just so needy in this, he's, and it's just like it's even just those simple like you know you've killed, um, you've ki- uh, you've killed people, not anymore. What kind of justification is that? And again, I'm uh, usually like apart I'm, from about apart from about the night before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> series one and two, I'm 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 very pro Mitchell. But again, it's like, and it's just such great writing because it's just this long sli- like l- really slow slide towards bad stuff to come. But yeah, like that that was the line where I was kind of like, oh, come on, dude. Like, Don't shrug it off like that. You have to kind of come clean and show that you're actually... You know, it actually cuts you up inside. It's really good. Well, to- I, guess yeah.
0: his, I guess his way of doing it is saying... Is doing what he does next. He says he'll leave the vampires. Mm. He says, I'll call a meeting tomorrow night at the funeral parlour. So that's... I guess that's his way of going... I mean, it's not like... he. He's done that before. He's left the vampire music gone back, mm. so it's not it's not a new thing for Mitchell to do. And he locked, he he caved in then. So yeah, once Mitchell leaves, Lucy phones Kemp and says it's on. Uh, back at the pink house, Annie sees George packing. After discovering that the phone charger is in the oven, Annie says, "When you said you were viewing houses, I thought I'd hide your stuff. I like it here. The three of us. It's us against the world." And George stands up for himself. I don't want to be against the world anymore. It gets so tiring. I want to be part of it. We're all so scared of what might happen out there and huddled together in this little house somehow makes us less afraid. But you know what? I'm ready to be scared. I can't let
1: this thing own me anymore. I love that line, ready to be scared. Um, I Again, I really love this scene and um, it, it keeps with the, the theme of the episode about moving on and every, in a way everyone in this episode is like trying to move on and you know, it goes back to that scene of the sofa being, you know, everyone leaves that sofa and we have that, we linger on that empty sofa for a bit. It's like, yeah, we're kind of disjointed at this point And it's, and I know that's one of the criticisms that uh, series two got. And I know I was kind of guilty of saying it as well, that it actually kind of kept them, the three of them, a bit too separate. Um, mm. But it's totally in line with where this show's going and where this episode is going. Here, I was almost convinced as well when he says that line about Ready to be Skelly, he says it with such sincerity that I was kinda of like, yeah, you know what? In the last scene I didn't believe that George wanted to move in and, and do it and take the step with Sam and Molly. Here I'm kind of like, yeah, okay, maybe maybe it is happening. Maybe you have actually, you know, managed to convince yourself and you do genuinely want this. Uh, again, really nicely played.
0: Yeah, I think but this is always the conflict that is at the heart of the very show, isn't it? Mitchell and George in particular, they are up and down like a roller coaster on whether they should be mixing the society, or whether they should be hiding. Mm. Like George, remember in George Series One, George having a go at Mitchell for taking someone out on a date. Yeah. But then George is now moving in with a kid. Mm. They're always up and down. They won't. They can't resolve it because they're just conflicted all the time. They'll go back and forth on what they think, mm. and that's that's the that's the wrestle, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Hundred percent. But on this, Annie sighs and she says, "You might have a point, George." So back at the Theatre of the Damned, Annie has now taken control of proceedings with her microphone and clipboard. It's almost a sitcom yeah. joke, this one, where we discover that Annie and Robin are actually stood next to each other.
1: Yeah, yeah, good reveal. You can kind of see it coming, but it's fun. It's like, I think anyone who watches Being Human on the rig like us sort of go, you know, would watch that scene for the first time and kind of go, why has she got an earpiece? How could she have an <laughs> earpiece? What's happened? And then, of course, it's not there at all. Yeah, really nicely played. I like. I mean, I'm I'm a sucker for kind of little silly gags like that. And again, like you said, like you said, Toby Whitehouse knows Lenora Critchlow can do comedy. Let's throw some comedy in there.
0: Uh, Alan enters a room full of ghosts, but all he can hear is Annie, even without a mi- working microphone. All this res- comes back to the fact that she's the only one he can hear. There's obviously a reason for that. Yeah. Uh, they don't
1: explicitly say it in this episode. No. Uh, no, it's um but again, yeah, you kind of watch if you're if you're binging this series you would kind of at this point be like, "Why why is this happening?" This and thankfully it's because we know there's clearly something sort of there, there's something to kind of explain it away late come in later on. Also, you know, fair play j- eeny, meeny, Miny Mo to choose who's who's going on. Uh it is the proven scientific method. Uh I love that. I think she said like scientific method. Yes. <laughs> Uh, At
0: that evening show, Annie picks at random, one of the ghosts to channel Alan, Jimmy, wants to speak to his wife, Orla, who happens to be in the audience. Now, with with anything like this, the the rest of this episode, I think we just have to take with a giant pinch of salt that
1: there's a lot of coincidences going on. (laughs) (laughs) The fact that she's there, but we'll overlook. I mean, in my head, it's that, like you say, these ghosts don't live at the theatre. So Jimmy probably follows, checks in on Orla you know, all the time, is able to walk out and about and goes and sees what she's doing. Um, but yes, the fact that she is coming to the theatre, I don't know, maybe, is yeah, is a little bit of a, a coincidence. But it might, you know, he might have been able to pick up a, a leaflet for Alan Cortez and slipped it under her door or something. It's all part of his big yeah. revenge
0: plan. Who knows? Orla is seeking approval from Jimmy, who is a scuba man, to get married. And again, Jimmy does not give it. Uh, she kicks off, and then we learn an important thing: you died in a car accident.
1: his <laughs> <laughs> best joke in the episode. <laughs> Looking at him up and down. Yeah. I love that. I love. I love these kind of like da- you know these silly little jokes stuff. But yeah, at the same time, it's like yeah, that that could happen. <laughs> that they, they, it could happen, but it's so nonsense. It's just sort of like proper slice of life stuff, isn't it?
0: Um, uh, Mitch Meanwhile, Mitchell's on the phone to Ivan, setting up a meeting. I've got most of them on my Twitter feed. He says, uh, "What do vampires talk about on Twitter? Kill someone today, Lol. Well,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I, may, I can't imagine Ivan being much of a tweeter. Um, mm. I, I would, I that that's maybe something that the marketing team should have totally done. Did I? Did they do Twitter accounts? They, I think they.
0: Did. But not for, sure did they, they do did.
1: one for Ivan Or did they do, was it just for like You know, for George or
0: I think they did for Cutler in Series 4 Yeah Maybe Maybe I am misremembering Because that
1: was a big thing for a while, wasn't it, in the early days I don't think it's done as much as it is now Unless, not by official Channels, it's often, you know There's a guy that will be like, I'm just going to make a I'm just going to make a um A Twitter account for this um Game of Thrones character um oh, yeah, 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 and I'll I'll do hilarious stuff, you know, as as Ned Stark <laughs> or something. But they they was used to be this thing where they did like officially give characters especially if like I mean, you yeah. know, because it, it worked within. I think Misfits did it as well. Like the characters yeah. on Misfits either, you know, had their own Twitter account or something. I might be wrong. Um Misfits fans, tell me if I'm wrong. And I'll hold my hands I'll hold my hands up. But yeah, I would have loved... I don't really know what Ivan would tweet. I feel like Ivan would just be more kind of like just liking and retweeting like stuff. Um,
0: I think his his monologues would be too long for Twitter. Exactly. Even with the 280 character count, it'd just be too long. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, I imagine like, yeah, a lot of... I don't know. I don't know what the other vampires would be tweeting about. Like, I do actually, if it was just, yeah, just drank some blood, it was great. You know, highly recommend. <laughs> um, uh, do it again. Yeah. <laughs>
0: There's a knock on the door at the funeral parlour and it's Creepy Lloyd again. Creepy Lloyd. Claiming to be from Avon and Somerset Energy. Same old stick. The premises have to be cleared. I wouldn't bother it, Ivan said. Dead pans. They're all dead in there. But he lets him in anyway.
1: A little wink wink. Ha ha. (laughs) Um, Yes. Creepy Lloyd. Love Creepy Lloyd. Always up for an episode where Creepy Lloyd is doing his creepy thing. Um (laughs) It's see, such a thankless role, isn't it? It's such a thankless role.
0: It kind of is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No one likes you, essentially. Yeah. Uh, we see Kemp having flashbacks to the horrors of the vampire attack, touching the blood-stained Bible. It's quite a little strange little scene, but where it's just that and mm. nothing else out of context. But I guess it's just building up more of a
1: yeah like, image of where he is. Weird little red flag as well. I would not keep that Bible, but hey ho, he's a, he's a little bit nuts. We'll let him off.
0: <laughs> At the theater of the Dam, Scuba Man wants to admit wants Orla to admit to the fair. She does, and in the distance, the door opens and he walks towards the lights. I'm going to be a bit picky because a beautiful thing by Richard Wells starts playing, which is a beautiful. I love like, that
1: bit of score. Yeah,
0: I don't think they should have used it for. You know what I yeah, mean? it just doesn't feel because it's such an epic. Important moment, and it's uh, that that what music has—it's been it used. Feel right. It's
1: been used before at this point, right?
0: Yeah. It, so it,
1: yeah. I feel like it's very much—is it used when Annie's about to cross over at the end of series one? Is that when it's first used? I might be again. You guys know think, more about this than yeah, I do.
0: I think it—I think it was used when Lauren died. Yeah. Even if it's just not for when someone dies; it's generally a bigger moment or a yeah. I'm
1: um, leading up. I so. love hearing it. So whenever it shows that, I, when I heard it in this bit, I recognized it and was like. Yeah, because I've, you know, having listened to the soundtrack and stuff, but I was a bit like, it's kind of weird that it's for this character that we barely met and has mostly been like yeah. a comedic foil. It's just nice. It was nice hearing it, but I do think it, I agree with you, like, really, that should be reserved for when it's something involving the main cat something affecting the three main characters. I, I did love the whole Jimmy Orler stuff, though. Um, <laughs> yeah. I do think he's a massive tosser. And a sponge have been repeated. <laughs> um, I I feel sorry for Alan in those bits. That yeah, okay, I'm gonna have to say that. Great, but again, it's just like the comic timing in it is fantastic in those scenes. But I do like it when it does build up to, you know, something quite sweet. And like we say, yeah, maybe the choice of music not great, but it's a nice. It is a nice little moment. And again, it's it's a little bit of a stab in the heart, a little bit for Annie, I guess, that she kind of has yes, missed a chance.
0: That- that's where the emotion comes in, I mm-hmm. suppose, because it, Annie, it affects Annie, doesn't mm. it? Uh, okay, so meanwhile, in New Build Hell, George is in Flatback Hell. He really is living the dream at his new place, isn't he? But Molly confronts him. She expresses interest in, in tobogganing. Do you use a katana sleigh or a tanto? And it's a trap. Yeah. It's a type of samurai sword, George. I knew you were lying. Mum might have believed you, and I love Mum. But if she was in my class, I have a feeling she'd be on the yellow table. <laughs> and the yellow table is, it's not good, good George. It's not good at all.
1: <laughs> oh, harsh but true. I, I don't think we had yellow tables, the yellow table when I was at school. But then maybe I was on the equivalent of the yellow table and didn't know. Who knows?
0: Child actors generally can be quite painful to watch. Yeah. But I think Molly's
1: great. She's great, yeah. She's, and she's she's really sincere in this moment it's really nice that like, it doesn't feel and I, I totally believe it as well that yeah she would actually be smart enough to catch him out again it's, a, it's written down here on my notes i've just got as well i'm like i still have no clue why Sam believed it but i like to think that it's yeah. just that Sam is in denial but Molly's smart enough to kind of go no no i'm not i'm not yeah, taking Yeah i yet. just
0: li- I, I just like that she always seems to be onto George mm. and that this is what something that happens later in the next episode but that that I like that it's an undercurrent that builds to what we get to, yes as well, yes, I know the, meaning it. you mean, yeah, it's just it's just being smart, she, also there's an undercurrent that she's onto to something dodgy about him, but she can't place it, mm. yes, at the deadest show in town, we learn from Robin that Annie is to go on tour with Alan Alan. Uh, Annie suggests Robin come along, but there's not much point, you he can't hear me, I'm not like you, I haven't got your confidence. And uh, Annie then spies a familiar face on the screen. Yes. And we won't question why there's a camera focused on that familiar face. No. It's one of those things you just overlook. Uh, Annie tells Alan someone is looking to make contact with Carmen. Annie's face is in disbelief. Uh, Jittering Carmen stands up and Annie cries. She's here for me. That's my mum. And Carmen starts spilling her heart out. Yes.
1: Fun bit of trivia. Um, So uh the actor playing Carmen is Jaquetta May, uh, who is an actor but also a writer. Um and she's written episodes of Torchwood, series one, which Toby Whithouse was you involved on. This. And she wrote on No Angels, so Toby was her boss on the uh on No Angels. So I, I get the feeling that yeah, he probably called up Jaquetta and was like, you still acting, do you want to come and do a little role in my show? Um which is such a Toby thing to do being an actor himself. But yes she if you look her up on um you look up her, like, on Wikipedia or IMDB, um, she's an actor and writer. She's got lots of different credits. She's done also written episodes of New Tricks um, and Where the Heart Is. Um, and in acting, she's been in stuff like The Bill, Casualty, Midsummer Murders. Um, she's done loads. She's in I'm Alan Partridge as well. She's done loads of stuff. But, yeah, I was I was sort of like, I recognised the name in the credits. And I went, was that the Jaqueta May? I, I hope I'm saying it right. The Jaqueta May who did... Um, Rand, you know, Wrote Random Shoes Which is an episode of Torchwood in series one And I was like oh, that totally makes sense so They would, And then I looked it up more and I was like oh she did No Angels She did a couple of episodes of No Angels wow. So that's your, yeah, your little bit of trivia today I'm sure there's loads of like Loads of fans probably listening and being like oh I knew that But yes No I no, I didn't know that at all that's hey. so
0: interesting. I, would, I was going to say like um, I also just think the performance is brilliant
1: This is where and I, we'll get onto it a little bit more Because obviously we've just had the introduction of the character But this is for me where the episode works And where I kind of went, and this was definitely an episode when I watched it the first time, I definitely had the same thought as like you were saying at the beginning of the episode that I was a bit like, yeah, this is kind of like a filler till not much is happening. It's another Annie gets a job episode in a way, um, or Mm -hmm. Annie meets, you know, a new friend sort of episode. I was, but you know, there'd been a lot of those, this series and didn't feel like they were really pushing the character on or doing much with the character, um, but this was like the moment where I went, oh yeah. Do you know what? Yeah. This rewatching, I was like, this is bloody great. This is brilliant. And like, it, this is a... it turns everything on. Yeah, head, and it's it? definitely a It's definitely something that's been in the back of your mind from the beginning of series one, and especially during series one, where you discover what how Annie actually died. You're like, where her? Where were her parents? Where's she? Surely left a family behind. She didn't just leave her. You know, her horrible boyfriend. So I, it was nice that there was like some some closure to that in a way. Again, it adds to that whole. This we're wrapping some things up here. Like maybe this is going to be the last ever. Are we going to get a series three? Who knows. But yeah, it's so beautifully done. We'll I know we'll get into that a little bit as we move on through the rest of the episode. But like this is for me is what made me want to talk about this episode. I just think it's so good.
0: Yeah, I mean, she stands up there and what she says here is quite powerful. Mm-hmm. So she says, "Losing a child, it's a unique kind of pain. The pain is spectacular." If you could take that pain away, I'm not sure I'd want you to because it's all I've got left. I want to feel that pain and I deserve to feel that pain because I should have known. I should have known that she was in danger. I should have known that she was scared because I'm her mum. Oh, it's
1: it's, 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 it's like so good. Breath, it? It's such a great... I've got that line written down here as well like on, on my notes, especially the bit, you know, all I've got left is pain and I deserve... And then just, again, like, you could... And she's really restrained. As well, like you could, uh, some actors would come at this scene and would be bawling their eyes out and would, you know, exactly. but again, it's it's almost like that numbness you get and you do kind of, I think when obviously neither of us have been in this sort of situation, but when you do lose someone, there is that kind of like numbness when you eventually, when you talk about like the pain of it and stuff, and you really get the sense of like, she's like grieved like at least 10 times over now. And this is kind of like the last shred She's. Got, that's it like it's just almost like just punch the life out of her a little bit um yeah, yeah i love it I, and she's so good in this episode I, yeah, yeah brilliant yeah
0: i mean she's probably in what three scenes and it steals them such a strong totally me. steals yeah. them okay so at new build hell molly lays it on the line to george don't hurt her or you have to hurt her do it once do it now leave and George starts saying, I have this secret, which means sometimes I have to distance myself. And I'm worried that if she finds out she won't want me anymore, she'll think that I'm the freak. And again, Molly, just cutting through the shit. A boy in my class has six toes on one <laughs> foot. Is it something like that? <laughs> you can tell her. She loves you, George, no matter what. Oh. Well, I'm going to watch my Hannah Montana TVT. TV.
1: Yes. <laughs> I'd love it as well. as like, it's a nice, because a lot of this series, George has kind of been acting childish some might disagree but i like my my view of it is like he's you know he can't decide you know he's he's done that you know he's just broken up with the love of his life and he just goes out and gets into a relationship with the next person that comes along and just the way he goes about stuff and you know his little strops and stuff like even this episode about moving out so it's really nice Like i love the kind of like he's like the child in this scene and, and molly's yeah. being the adult who's kind of talking him down and then you just throw in the Hannah Montana line at the end just to go, right now we're back where we, you know, it's back around the right way now. But it's a really lovely played scene. And like we said earlier, like wonderful actor playing Molly. Uh, name escapes me. Uh, uh, Molly Jones. Uh, that's it. Yeah. yeah. Molly Jones playing her. Yeah. Just really nicely played between the two of them. And yeah, totally gets that kind of like the the roles reverse child and adult in that sort of scene.
0: So at the house, Mitchell is rehearsing his speech, and very badly. It's not something you could imagine Herrick ever doing. He'd have just blagged it. He'd have gone in, blagged it, done it with wit and charisma, whereas Mitchell is just bricking it. He
1: ain't Herrick. He's (laughs) not.
0: But it does finish with some finesse when he sits back on his chair and with a point says, I'm out. I'm
1: out. (laughs) Basically the Dragon's Den thing, which is a nice touch, yeah.
0: (laughs) At the theatre, Carmen has been invited backstage for the Afterlife Party. Eh?
1: Yes. Very good, very good. It's it's,
0: it's another sitcom. (laughs) It's a sitcom laughter track. Yeah.
1: Let's have a pause for it. Beautiful.
0: Uh, Alan opens the door. She's here, Carmen. Seeing you seem to silence her, but she's here. And Carmen has a freak out and wants to leave. Now, there's one bit in the scene I thought I had to rewind about five seconds. Mm-hmm. Can you guess where there's a
1: mistake in the scene? Is it something to do with the rose tissue? Is it...
0: Yeah, I mean, that's not perfect, the way it was done. Okay, But no, no. it's it's the mirror. Oh, right. You see Annie in the oh, mirror.
1: Oh, right. I didn't know. <laughs> totally didn't spot it. Totally didn't spot
0: it. I think that's the first time I've noticed it. But I thought, hang on a minute. Did I
1: just... And it was. You can see it on the Oh, mirror. no. Um, we can explain that. Um, quick, let's... Um, <laughs> in a moment of... Because it's such an emotional moment, she manages yeah. to appear just enough, but only in the mirror. So maybe if Carmen had turned and seen her in the mirror? Maybe? Um, I don't know. Have I have I solved that plot hole? Ca- I think Carmen was facing... Oh, no! Damn! Okay. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a it, maybe. It's just you know. It's like we, the audience, can see her, but Carmen can't see her in that moment. So I don't know. And the mirror represents. Yeah. I don't know. Let's come up with some really like wanky film language for it. I don't know. Something like that. I don't know. But I didn't spot it. I didn't totally did not spot that moment. Going I'm gonna go yeah, back and rewind. I've seen it.
0: Yeah, the amount of times I've seen it, and that's the first time I noticed it. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. So Annie grabs her attention by making an origami rose. Uh, like she did as a child. And Carmen now believes and lets everything flood out. She says, I spent every day missing you, thinking about you, speaking about you. I know people think I'm mad. I mean, your dad thinks I'm mad. And we soon realise just how her life has stopped Mm. since Annie's gone. Yes, And actually, this isn't the first time that origami features him being human and it's not the last. No. The last is probably the biggest time that it features. Yes. So this just alerts Annie to say you know she's got to move on with her life and stop feeling guilt and hurt Mm.
1: and it's the theme of the episode essentially is it's like live your life stop stop living in the now like move on um and it's totally a spur for like for all three of the characters you know i know only annie's in that moment but that's kind of what's carrying on through a lot of this episode it's like no take the plunge like move on do what you got to do mitchell's trying to move on George is trying to move on. Annie's trying to move on. And obviously we know it's being human. It's not as simple as that. And it's, you know, probably there's and there's some evil dudes in the background that are going to come and make life really bad for them. But it, it's a really nice but wrap up of all that.
0: Annie says, there is something I really think you should do. And then we cut to Carmen, by Annie's grave. And she says, I'm going to try. I'm really going to try. She promises and lays down the rose.
1: And Annie says, bye, mum. She walks away. You're... It is very sad. I'm obviously doing fake crying here, but it was generally very sad. <laughs> it's so beautifully done. Music, wonderful. Performances, wonderful. Writing, wonderful. Um, it's no wonder with stuff like this. Again, like it's the, the whole. It's only. It's weird, isn't it? It is quite cop. It was only really three scenes in an hour-long episode, but I just thought I was completely blown away from them. And I do think it's probably one of the better, like the best Annie storylines, because it's so purely about. It's up there with like series one with with. Um, her, you know, her solving her murder and stuff. Um...
0: Like you say, a theme is moving on, yeah. but I think part of the theme is this episode letting go. Yes, yeah. Because Carmen's going to try to let go. Annie's comes by the end of the episode; she's learning to let go of her current situation and trying to move on. Yeah,
1: Ro- Robin's kind uh... of kind of let go as well. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. It's really nice. It's it's also like again like going back to talking about like behind-the-scenes stuff but it's no wonder like Lisa McGee got invited back it's mm. definitely like I think it is a really it's a lot of a, it's a much stronger stronger episode than I think people give it credit for um it's just the fact that it very much does sideline it sidelines Mitchell a huge amount and the George stuff doesn't really move his story on that much I mean I know he sort of does sort of move out but it is just kind of going around the same sort of stuff it's like Molly doesn't trust him he's lying to himself and to Sam. I think it is a really well-written episode, and it's very much for the Annie side of it. Like I said, it goes back to, like, series one, where it felt like there was a a real purpose to everything. It all kind of connected and stuff. And here, this series, it's felt a little bit like, what, what should we throw Annie into this week? It feels like, in a way, it has kind of built to this a little bit as well.
0: So next up, Kemp tells Lucy it's time. Mitchell is en route to the funeral parlour for his big speech and Lucy joins Kemp in kneeling and praying because that's what better way to warm up for attempted vampire murder than having a good old pray. love a good old pray. George is snuggled up with Sam on the sofa but Molly calls down in distress and they go to see her. I had a bad dream about you and she stares menacingly at George. He was George, but he wasn't George and I was calling his name, but he just stared back. His eyes were dark. They looked right through me. They looked inside me. And I love this bit so much. Maybe we're talking about like a dog would know that George is a whale. Well. Yeah. Then maybe it's child intuition mm. that she's picking up on something dark about him. Yeah,
1: definitely. Yeah. I, I When I first, when I was rewatching it, I was kind of like, well, this is a little bit ran. Like you could have kind of left the George story where it was here. You didn't need this moment, but it is a really like nice sort of set up for next week. Is she a little bit psychic? I, I don't know. It, it, I mean, it's a little on the nose. George is kind of He's comfortable, he's kind of got, you know, got to a point where he's like, Yeah, I'm good with Molly, and it's it's a little setback as well, which is nice. Mm. It's like don't rest don't rest on your laurels here, like it's not over.
0: And I just love the way when Molly's saying it, the like the dark bass line picks up and picks up and it's really broody, mm. and he's like, Oh shit, something's yeah. this isn't good. No, great moment. Okay, so sat in the theatre and he tells Alan Alan that Alan that She can't go on the road with him. And in the distance, we see hear some humming and it's Robin picking up the rubbish. And he says, do you think Robin will be any good? And he says, they're coming back, Annie. They're taking their time, but they're coming back. Is it- so there's, yeah, there's, they get, again, if we're talking about moving on. Yeah. He asks Annie, what are you going to do? And she says, I think it's time to go. Annie rent goes away and is replaced by Robin in the seat. Not the last time that Annie is replaced by a ghost. No,
1: definitely not. <laughs> it's, a bit, it's it is a little bit. I, I I know like some people that don't like this episode would be like, oh, it's just a bit like very convenient, isn't it, that he just happens to get his powers back? But I guess you can kind of argue that uh, you know it's if part of it's Annie and her effect on him, maybe the fact that he can convene with her. I don't know. Again, you can write yourself out of this quite yeah, easily. Yeah, I
0: th- but it's, I do like I like I say. I think there is an a lot in this episode where you have to go well that's too convenient. In the, even in the sense of Annie's mum turning yes. up. Yes. Because we know she moved to Bristol and we know that Annie's mum doesn't live in Bristol. Yeah. So of all the chances for her to turn up there. So there is a lot around the psychic storyline mm. where you, ha- you just have to go hmm. Yeah.
1: It's like it's yeah, I mean, you can you can uh, find a way to kind of explain it all away, even if you are jumping through lots of hoops to do it. Because I do think it's like worth it, and it's a really sweet little ending. I'm like, I like it when these one-off characters do kind of you know get fully wrapped up in a way. I would watch a whole series of like Alan and Robin like going around solving like helping ghosts move on. That would be kind of cool. Like it's always you never really see shows about like mediums and stuff normally anyway, but also like. It's always kind of like, oh, I'm a medium. I can speak to ghosts and I solve murders. But actually just helping a guy in a scuba outfit, like, pass on, um, you know, would be kind <laughs> of cool. I, I want to know what the BDSM guy was, you know, wanted. I'd like to imagine it was actually something really sweet and innocent that he wanted to pass on or something. I don't know. But...
0: Well, maybe he wasn't up to anything particularly dodgy. He was just on a stag do. Yeah. His mates dressed him up drunkenly like that. He was tied to a tree. And a car hit the tree.
1: Boom. Love it. They all keep dying in cars. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Alright, so outside the funeral parlour, Lloyd looks on as the vampires gather, and Kemp and Lucy continue praying. They love a good prayer. Love it. And Nothing bad comes from religion at all, so, you know, praying helps. Yeah,
1: they'll be fo- Yeah, Yeah, I think it's all good. They're just praying that the vampires have a nice time. Mitchell enters through this weird side door.
0: I only notice it in this episode that, you know, because Lloyd went in there early mm. and Mitchell makes his grand entrance through this weird little side door he has to like crouch into.
1: I mean he's got the sunglasses and stuff on. Maybe he is trying to do the like, I just want to walk in and not get hassed. Because they all immediately kind of crowd him and go, Hey, it's Mitchell, hey. So maybe he's just trying to like not have to like get mobbed by them. Low profile Mitchell. If a building
0: is full of vampires and no humans does that mean you don't have to be invited in because
1: you just walk in? Yeah and I guess also it's kind of a public building in a way or is it owned by one of them? I don't know. They must have had like a muse or someone who bought the place and then let them all in and then they ate him I don't know. <laughs> that's probably it. that's what I'm in my head. Canon. That's totally what happened. They they had a guy who was like, "Oh, make me into a vampire. That'd be really cool." Okay, well, just buy this really creepy funeral home for us, uh, and then yeah, we betray him and eat him, and then we're, we've got Cain Blanche. But what, yeah, that's an interesting one as well. What happens if you eat the guy who owns the house? Do you, the, how you know? Does that mean it's yours now? Funny enough, it's never been something that's cropped up in my life. No, no, I don't really hang out with a lot of vampires, so.
0: Mitchell tells Ivan that he wants to leave and Ivan says this was your plan it's working everyone's on the wagon well aside from me obviously but I'm you know special needs Uh, Mitchell wants Ivan to take over and he's having none of it at the moment I'm keeping my excesses in check as a favour to you because it amuses me but you have no idea of the effort that entails now I can't lead not even by example one of my favourite lines from the entire run of the show I'm just one step away from wiping out an entire branch of Argos.
1: <laughs> uh and the, time has wiped out the branches of Argos without him. <laughs> I find it a weird choice. Mitchell's really again it's maybe it's just poor judgment because he's so desperate, but I remember watching it and going, why Ivan's a really bad choice. A terrible choice. Yeah, terrible choice. Like literally awful. a couple of episodes ago he basically said to Mitchell, like, "I can't do it. Get me some get me someone to eat, please." And so I'm a bit like, well, what's changed? I guess because it's like, because Ivan and Daisy sort of come in and out of it so much. Mitchell's desperate. Ivan's the one he confides in. It has to be Ivan. There's no one else really that he can kind of talk to and ask to do it. That's it. Ivan
0: does say, I can't lead by example. Yeah. (laughs) uh, Ivan does. Yes. But Mitchell lets slip that the reason he wants out is that he's met someone. And Ivan's soft side kind of comes out. And he says, you should have said it. It was about love. I get it now. We all lead long and appalling lives, but I have my Daisy. Everyone deserves a Daisy. Yeah, mate. She did sleep with George and Mitchell this series, yep. but we will over. Yeah. You know. And
1: have they only been in one episode together? They're in the first episode yeah. together, and I think pretty much from then on, it's one or the other every episode for the rest of the series.
0: I think you're right. There's a flashback, I think, which is at the start of next. Yes, episode. there
1: is the bit in the bunker. Uh, in the yeah, in the modern days
0: that. That's true, actually.
1: I'm adamant that it's only in the first episode one of series two. I'm sure that it's only Cure and Contagion that we
0: see them together. So Lucy is trying to delay the attack, but Kent pressurises her and she gives the orders. Mitchell is starting a speech, but Ivan notices the bomb deep down in the floor and shouts, get down, pushing Mitchell out of the way as the explosion hits. Boom. Boom. Pretty good explosion. Pretty yeah, really up... good visual effects. <laughs> yeah. And amongst the flames, we see Ivan's body.
1: A lot of blood as well from the explosion. He's not. None of them are really crispy from the explosion. <laughs> and maybe that's just vampires don't don't burn up or something in in uh, in an explosion. It just looks more like he's fallen over and whacked his head open. I guess they couldn't afford. I guess the makeup budget didn't extend to like crisping him up. We've
0: we done a fucking explosion. What more do you want? I mean, also again,
1: you would re- from a, a practical point of view, you need to be able to tell that it's that it's Ivan. So.
0: And that is the end of the episode. The deed and, is and done. In keeping, yeah. in keeping with Lucy and Kemp.
1: Amen. Amen. <laughs> Overall, I I think it's a I do like I said I, I go to bat for it. It's definitely not like the best episode of series two, but I think it's just got there's something about the Annie storyline that just lifts it up a lot further than some like other episodes like Educating Creature. But I do think there's a lot of like really nice classic being human stuff in there. I'm low to think that really any episodes that are like there's obviously episodes that are better than others, but I really don't can't think of any episodes where it's like that's a that's a bad episode. It's definitely one to revisit, I'd say.
0: Yeah, absolutely. My downside of
1: this is the fact that it wasn't Ivan's strongest episode for him to lead. No, he's very underdeveloped he throughout the series anyway. I think.
0: Yeah, so I think
1: again, I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure Daisy makes more appearances than Ivan. Yeah, yeah. up to
0: this point. Yeah, because when 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 Mitchell forms a partnership with her, mm-hmm.
1: yeah, yeah, I'd have liked a little bit more of Ivan and Daisy as a whole. Talking about series two, I would have liked a lot more of Ivan and Daisy, and I think you could have had done a lot more with. I know that there's a lot more. I know you need to have the the Lucy and Mitchell stuff, but I would have had a lot more of mitchell daisy and ivan and again them kind of being almost like the the devil and the devil on his shoulder in a way i think would have been really fun and the same with like them messing with george and annie as well to get to mitchell but as we've been here we know like with a lot of stuff it's it comes down to budget and actor availability um why certain storylines play out the way they do so i to, I think what we get works but there's always just this nagging feeling of like oh, i love a little bit more of these characters or a little bit more development here before this big thing happens. Yeah,
0: I wouldn't say, like, Ivan goes out on a whimper, no. because at the end of the day, he's helping Mitchell to the last, mm-hmm. because he's he's accepting the role reluctantly, and essentially he saves his it's, life. And
1: it's in keeping, so it's- like, him pushing him out of the way from the explosion is in keeping with him, you know, there's definitely a friendship there, and we get that from their first appearance.
0: One last question. Why do you think it's called In the Morning? Uh, Is it because it starts basically in the morning with the morning after with Lucy and and
1: yeah? uh, I I mean you've obviously got that the most obvious thing. I mean I know that they haven't used the pun, but essentially it's a play on like morning. Yeah, that's what I thought. They do pun titles. Yeah, it's surprising that they didn't do it spelt like. No, when I've seen like when the episode names got released, I was like, I kind of get it. Or you could class it as a new dawn. Yeah, you couldn't call it that because it would be twilight. Yeah. I mean it's not my favorite title of of this season. Educating creature is I don't know what you say about the episode but I do think it's a really like is one of the best puns in this season. But yeah, I, I I presumed it was the morning thing and that's that's where we were at. Overall like regardless of the title I think it's a great episode.
0: All right, uh, anything else before we go?
1: I've had a great time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> can you sound sincere no i
1: genuinely no. thank you so much for having me back i've really enjoyed it and it was nice talking about like the underappreciated episodes in a way you know we all want to talk about like the big season finale which you know is coming up guys stay tuned yeah it's nice talking about these episodes where it's just a lot of smaller character beats and stuff you know and if you previously watched this episode and you're not a fan this is the perfect time to revisit go back and have a look even if it is just to like i'm gonna do to see if you can find the mirror mistake Um, yeah it's also I think it's an episode that definitely if it's not if it's quite low on your ranking of episodes I think give it another chance
0: thank you to Matt who was wearing quite a weird hat for the chat disclaimer he wasn't wearing a hat just to wrap up the show a couple of items for the cast watch list Damian Maloney is going to appear in the third series of The Great which is great no it's better than great it's a really good show It stars Elle Fanning and Nicholas Holt. It's kind of based on reality, but it's more of a spoof, quite crude, quite rude, very funny. It's uh, about the rise and reign of Catherine the Great. And the first two series are really, really strong. And Damien's role, we don't really know much about it, but he is playing a character called Nikolai. This is due to return on Friday, May the 12th. So a few days after this comes out. Really looking forward to that one. And the other vampire in our lives, Aiden Turner, is busy as anything this year. He stars in a new Amazon Prime series, 15 Love. It's described as a provocative new drama set in the world of elite tennis. Aiden plays the coach of a young tennis star called Justine Pierce, who's played by Ella Lily Highland. Justine makes allegations against her former coach. And if one is forced to reconsider what they knew about Justine and Glenn's past success. Justine and Glenn's battle over the truth of their past reaches new heights as they both seek glory at the Grand Slam Grass Court event of the year. Brackets, Wimbledon. And the stately world of professional tennis is rocked by lies, deceit, and a desperate bid for control. So yeah, it's it's obviously a bit of a psychological thriller, maybe. It could play out a bit airport novelly by the looks of what i've seen but you never know and that concludes episode 17 of the box tunnel survivors group we sign out as we sign in with dog scratched ear by henry's funeral shoe that was red robin over Was the box turn podcast and thanks.